we are in a series called Life of the Party, and specifically for the whole year, we've been journeying steadily through the Gospel of Luke, um, and uh, what we see in this section um, of Luke, um, she's coming to see Daddy, uh, what you see in this section of Luke is that there's actually some, some places that Jesus is unexpectedly bringing life where there isn't any. And so two weeks ago, Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners, which in that day, if you were associated with them, you were said to be unclean or far from God. And here is Jesus coming close as a holy man, someone who's doing miracles and healing and teaching the word of God. And he actually befriends them. He says, these are the people that I want to hang out with. And so there's like this Wow. Okay. There's a there's 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 life here that's unexpected. And then last week, uh, Stephen, our college pastor, talked about uh, the that in fasting that was a practice in. Um, a ritual for the Jews, and they said, You're, "You guys don't fast. Why not?" I said, "Let me tell you." Jesus said, "He said because I'm the bridegroom, and you can't fast when the bridegroom is there at a wedding. Like you don't fast when you're at a wedding." And so that was last week, and so this week we're. Another point of tension is on the Sabbath, on rest. And so we're going to dive in to the Sabbath and rest. And so turn with me to Luke chapter 6 if you have your Bible. And if you uh, forgot it or don't have one, we have some Bibles in the center row. We'd love that to be a gift to you if you'd like. Um, Or it'll also be up on the screen. And before we get into the text, just wanted to, uh, I was thinking about the Sabbath rest um, and what its actual intent was to be was to be a gift, uh, almost a gift in the same way. Uh, this is going to be a little odd because it's three-digit weather this weekend. But in the same way that a snow day in Dallas, when we when we have that, I don't know about you, but I get giddy almost like a kid when I when I hear that there might be sleet or there might be snow that night, and I'm up and I'm like, come on, DISD, cancel cancel rs cancel school because everyone goes off the school systems and then those days are so much fun because you were not planning on necessarily ha- it's like everyone has to take a break everyone has to slow down and i think texans are known for not being able to drive in ice and that's probably true but i think we kind of have everyone fooled a little bit because we think that oh we can't do that but we really don't want to go anywhere we, wa- we don't want to do anything we don't want to i just can't make it into the office I just you know grow, you know i'm just i'm a texan you know i don't want to hurt anybody or whatever <laughs> i i just i love those days that built-in kind of unexpected uh rest um and We're going to dig into the scripture and learn more about Sabbath and how God actually wants to give us a built-in snow day almost into our rhythms of life, a built-in rest period. We get to enjoy him. Um, But I also understand that this, you know, you might not think that rest is a hard word to receive, but it is, especially for us as Americans, where our motto is work hard, play hard, not live well, rest well. Like a lot of the rest of the world, it's like we just go hard 100% of the time. You know, whether we're resting or whatever, like 24-7, baby, let's go. Let's do this. That's like the American way. And even in Dallas, I feel like uh, I lived, um, I grew up in Dallas, but I went to school in Waco at Baylor and lived there for four years after. And I remember when I came back to Dallas, uh, it was like, I don't know what it is, but I almost feel like my RPMs, my my 
my heart needs to beat a little faster in order for me just to keep up with everyone else. After being from a small town, I'm like, I got to drive here, drive there, do this, do that. And so that might be just, that's just the air we breathe. And so there's a challenge when we say to slow down and the rest, this might be a hard word for us to receive. And so uh, I just like to take a moment just to pray for us. So God, he's, he's wanting to give it as a gift. He's wanting to give us grace this morning. I really feel that and just praying for us and praying for y'all that he wants to give us the gift of peace and of rest. So I just want to invite you to pray with me before we read the scripture. Oh, Father, thank you that you are compassionate and gracious. Thank you that you want us to slow down, God, in order to receive from you this morning. So I just pray you bless the reading of the word, you would bless the preaching, and that you would help me to uh, really get out of the way and for you to speak um, to each uh, man, woman, child here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, you guys ready to go? Okay, let's go. Luke chapter 6, verse 1. On a Sabbath, while he, Jesus, was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. And he said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So we're going to keep going. This is almost like a scene two. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, to the Pharisees, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, all he said to him, after looking around at them all, he said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. But they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So that is the text that we're going to dive into today. And we're going to see what, what's happening in the, those first few verses there. What's happening when they're walking through the grain fields? So this is a Sabbath day. And they are not supposed to be, they're supposed to be resting. I mean, you can walk, so walking through the grain fields, and apparently there is a, uh, they, they're being tailed by a crowd of Pharisees. And I was thinking about whenever I got my driver's license and I was driving and people were, you know, the, whoever, whoever was doing the test was like marking what you're doing right or wrong. That's essentially what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. Why were they doing that? Well, like I alluded to a little bit earlier, Jesus was doing amazing things. There was a new thing that God was doing. And he even says in the verses right before the ones that we just read, he said, you can't put new wine into old wineskins because when it grows, it'll burst. You can't, put, you can't put a patch of cloth that's new on, uh, on an old piece of clothing because it, it doesn't work. They don't mix. 
And Jesus is basically saying through a parable, what I'm doing is new. I'm coming to bring a new thing. And so the scribes and the Pharisees are, they want the old way. They're like, we don't like the fact that people are following you. And so we're going to tell you so we can create our own little report and then accuse you. Does that make sense? You following? And so here they are, they're going through the grain fields. The disciples get hungry, so they have a little granola. They just rub their hands together. They're like, all right, little trail mix. And then the Pharisees jump in. They're like, gotcha, gotcha. Not lawful on the Sabbath. Jesus, you're follow- what are you going to do to them? What are you going to do? They're, they're disobeying the law of Moses. What are you going to do? And so Jesus could go in and talk about how four generations earlier that the Jewish leaders put 39 regulations on top of the law that tried to help them keep the Sabbath. And he could go in and kind of discuss the ins and outs of like, well, actually, they didn't use a a sickle to harvest, so it might not act. He didn't even go there. What does he do? Let's read again in verse 6, starting in verse 3. He says, have you not read what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? So he goes and he tells a Bible story. And he's like, let me teach you something. Do you remember about David? And like, of course, remember about David. Well, he was with his followers running from Saul and he goes into a temple and he takes the bread of presence, which is like the show bread, which there was 12 loaves of bread to represent the tribes, but only the priests were allowed to eat that. So David did something that was not allowed. Technically, it was not allowed. Why was it okay for David to do that? Well, David was the anointed king. And so he's like, well, that's David. And essentially what Jesus is saying is, if David did that, how much more so can I as the Lord of David? In other words, David's Lord is here, and I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So just to make sure, like, we all get that. So they're like, we're trying to get them on little things. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, well, you know, David and the king, he's like, I'm actually the king over Sabbath. And then he keeps walking. I mean, I, I don't know if I, if I was a Pharisee, I'd kind of be like, well, I, thought I, I thought we had him. <laughs> he threw a curveball there. I think we might have other concerns. He might be a little crazy or, or something else because he just said basically he was the son of God is what he just said. He just said that he is the Lord over the Sabbath so that he not only has authority, he can interpret the scriptures and wow, I don't even know where to go with that. So why, why is that important for us here as we're talking about the Sabbath? One of the things that I love about that is just how clear Jesus is about who Jesus is. The world has lots of messages about who Jesus is. We get bombarded by them all the time. And for me, just to hear Jesus' own words is saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And he's doing it all throughout Luke. As we're going through the passage, he says, who has authority to forgive sins and to heal? Well, God alone does. Well, to show you that the Son of Man, me, has authority, he tells a paralyzed man, I forgive you of your sins and to let you know that they're forgiven, get up and walk. Walk out of here to the paralyzed man. So that was a few Sundays ago. So there is a theme going on of Jesus being really clear about who he is. And he's not only the, he's the king, but he's also the originator, the owner of the gift of Sabbath. And so I brought a little 
a gift, if you will, or an illustration with me. Uh, and I thought about Sunday and Sabbath, so I had to think about Chick-fil-A. This is old Chick-fil-A because they are not open today. What a dirty, rotten trick to play, Chick-fil-A. So um, imagine if you were an employee at Chick-fil-A and you forgot something on a Sunday, so you went to the store and you see this elderly man there and he's like grilling up waffle fries and he's you know, making nuggets and things like that. And, and, and you're like, well, wait a second. We are closed, sir, on Sunday. That is against the rules. Uh, and he's like, well, okay. Uh, and instead of like arguing the rules, he just extends his hand and says, nice to meet you. I'm True Kathy. I'm the owner of Chick-fil-A. I made the rules and I know how to interpret them well. And so in essence, that's kind of what just happened here. It was like, we're talking about the Sabbath, we're debating it. And he's like, I am the owner. I am the king of the Sabbath. You guys with me? You track it? So what, what, what is uh, encouraging about that to me is that it just kind of gives me some clarity on where we get to decide on who we say Jesus is. And I think C.S. Lewis, who's a British theologian and wrote Chronicles of Narnia, and many of us are familiar with him in his book, Mere Christianity, uh, I think he articulated this point better than I could. So I want to read it for you. It says, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else... He would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. I just... I love that he's clarifying that Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. And so today, we say Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and we just get to come back again and say, okay, you're the Lord of the Sabbath. Teach me if this is a gift, but if I'm honest, this feels more like compulsion. This feels more like, you know what, God, I need an extra day in my week. I don't need to actually have a whole day taken out. Let's come to him who's the Lord of the Sabbath and say, would you teach us, God, how to use this gift? And the gift often has meaning based on the giver of the gift, right? So if the giver of the gift is someone who knows you and cares about you, that gift has more meaning than someone who's a stranger. And so we see that Jesus has you guys, has me, has us on his heart whenever he makes the Sabbath gift. And so we're going to keep going and see that Jesus has come to restore that gift, that gift that was originally intended to be good and has been twisted to be instead law and compulsion that Jesus come and say, I'm fulfilling the Sabbath. So we're going to read again in Luke 6, but this time we're going to read beginning in that second scene at verse 6. It says, on another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, 
so that they might find a reason to accuse him. Say, accuse him with me. Accuse him. Accuse him. And so they were like uh, a team of lawyers building a case in order to condemn Jesus. So they're gathering notes on ways to accuse him. But he, Jesus, knew their thoughts. Kind of creepy, but he did. He knew their thoughts. And he said to them, he, and he said to the man with the withered hand, he said to him, why don't you come and why don't you stand over here? And so then Jesus, instead of them asking him a question about what's lawful, he asked them a question about what's lawful on the Sabbath. He's like, let me ask you something. Is it okay or is, it, is the Sabbath intended for us to do good or do harm, to destroy something or to save it? That's not a hard question. That, that's, that's the easy one. That's like, you know, do good, you know, not destroy. And in other, other parallel accounts in Mark, Jesus uses the illustration of a sheep. He says, if a sheep, you, you untie the sheep and you lead the sheep to water during the Sabbath to do good, isn't that, that's better than destroying the sheep. How much more a child of God, how much more this man should be restored uh, in his hand. And so he's, he's saying that, but they say nothing. They know that their intent is to prove that they're right and he's wrong. And it says in, in Mark, this same account, it says that Jesus was grieved and he was angry at the hardness of their heart. He was angry. And so Jesus is restoring the gift of Sabbath. And on Sabbath, so let's just take a step back and let's say, what is Sabbath? What is the purpose of Sabbath? Where do we see it? And so let's read in Exodus 20. This is the Ten Commandments. This is where the Sabbath is, is the fourth commandment. And if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments or not, uh, a lot of them are one-liners. You know, do not covet, do not murder, do not steal. Uh, the fourth one, the Sabbath, is actually the one that has the most wording. It has three verses dedicated to it. So let's read it and see what God intended for the Sabbath. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. So the Sabbath day, that highlighted portion, is imaging what God did in creation. That when God made the, the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, on the seventh day, he rested and said it was very, very good. And he is built within the rhythm of creation even a kind of a work-rest rhythm, if you will. You look at the seasons, you look at, uh, you look at vegetation, you look at our own uh, bodies and our need for rest. There is uh, engage and then rest, engage and then rest. And so God baked this in to creation. He baked this into who we are. Zach shared in a message a few weeks ago on margin and mission, uh, the story of sharecroppers in the South trying to produce more cotton 
um, and increase and increase and increase. They actually stripped the nutrients in the, in the soil because there wasn't enough time for them to rest. They're, my favorite illustration of, of how going against God's creation uh, just doesn't, doesn't work in the long run, it doesn't pay good, good dividends, was during the French Revolution, uh, the, the French Revolution, they wanted so much to overthrow the Roman Catholic Church and change the uh, social and political structures uh, that they were trying to overthrow that they realized that the church actually had the calendar and so we're going to just we're going to change the calendar we're going to take and that's going to shape our society so they created a 10-day work week nine days of work one day of rest some of us in here are like that's not a bad idea some of us in here are like that's terrible but what were they trying to do they were trying to shape and take away from from orienting their weeks around, around God and trying to say, we know better. What well, lasted for about 14 years until Napoleon said, we got to stop. People were burning out. People will not, they were not thriving. This was not working. And they went back to the calendar that they have now. And I don't know about you, but I know in my own life, the Sabbath that I'm, uh, I've most typically had are the Sabbaths where I'm like studying for finals I'm like going, 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 going. And then when I'm done, I'm like visiting the ER and like Medicare and I'm like out for a week. Those are the types of Sabbaths that I've done typically. And I feel like our, our culture is known for a little bit. It's like we go until we drop and then we just kind of repeat over again. And what we're doing is we're railing against creation that God's set up in the ebbs and flows in the, so in, in, of, of rhythm. You guys tracking with me? Okay, well, the next thing that we can see is that also, like, he made us to enjoy creation. So on the seventh day, everything's, everything's very, very good. And in, and in um, you know, Christianity, we often talk about the fall and sin, but sometimes we don't stop and just look at Genesis 1 and 2 and see what was really good. And there's still a hole in, in us. There's a hole in humanity longing for Eden, longing for purpose, longing for Sabbath, longing for work before the curse, before the strife. And it's pointing back to something that you were made for this. You were made to enjoy. Um, you were made to enjoy creation. You were made to enjoy, uh, whether it be beauty, whether it be food, whether it be people, take delight. That's what God has given us a Sabbath for. He's given it for us to enjoy. He's baked that in. And then the last thing that we see in just what is the Sabbath for, last thing I want to highlight is it's for relationship. So when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they were slaves for 400 years. And when they came out of Egypt, God was teaching them different rhythms of how to do life. And so they were in the desert and the way that they got breakfast, they got food, was they had to go out and they had to collect manna, which God provided, bread from heaven. And then in the evening, they would have quail. And then once um, every seven days on the Sabbath day, there would be a double portion. And this is the way they lived, week in, week out, day in, day out. And God was teaching them, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I love you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. And they were learning these habits, these rhythms that were meant to have a relationship with God. They were meant to have a rhythm of how, 
how we walk with God, this covenant relationship with God. And in Deuteronomy 5, it, it illustrates as well that, that when we take a Sabbath, we also remember the bondage that we were taken out of. It says in verse 12, it says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So times, guys, this is so, so integral to our growth in, in, in the Lord is to remember that because of what Christ has done, because of what he's coming to fulfill in these passages, that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. He, Jesus, who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so we might become the righteousness of God, so that we might remember places that we were pulled as slaves back and forth are not the case any longer because of what Jesus has done. And so when we stop and we rest, in some ways the Sabbath is at the heart of Christianity because that's the place that we we move from. That's the place that we work from. It's from a place of identity that I am the righteousness of God because he calls me that because of what he's done on the cross, because of what Christ has done. I am, I am righteous. You guys with me? And I am adopted. I'm adopted son and I can move from that. And if we pause and we stop and we do that, whether it's in the morning or whether that's one time a week when we're on Sabbath, man, this is going to change us. This is something that that I have just been trying to grow with a little bit, a little bit, a little bit here and there over the past year. And it's beginning to, to kind of sink in where before I would do blitzes, I would try to memorize things and it just wouldn't stick. And I, I feel like I almost need a slow drip percolation of my identity in Christ. Like I just, I need that. And I, I, I just feel like that's something that God has for us as we, um, as we pursue to like live as Sabbath people, as people that walk in rhythm. You guys with me? One more illustration around this Sabbath that might require two hands is that when the Sabbath begins in Jewish tradition, and actually a Jewish day, in, uh, it, it begins at sunset and ends the following sunset. So Sabbath will begin Friday. Um, and on Friday, there's a uh, Shabbat cup uh, that uh, they fill up. And this cup, I have my own variation of this cup. It has a goblet for one, but then it's, it's attached to a saucer. So why would a goblet of wine be attached to a saucer? That's kind of awkward to, to drink. Um, well, uh, I have some, shh, there's wine in here, uh, mug. Zach's not here, so I'm all right. Um, just kidding. Um, so what they would do is that when they, when they pour the wine, which wine in Jewish culture represents the joy of God, they would pour it out so much so that it would fill up to the top. And then if there was more, it would spill out over onto the saucer. What, what does that symbolize? That symbolizes that's God's intent. He wants to give you joy 
and joy to the full. And so he's inviting us in to a Sabbath where he is restoring. And if you notice in the, in the passage that we just read, Jesus is the one who is the active agent. He's the one who's restoring the man with the withered hand. He's the one that's teaching. And in the Sabbath, that was a time for God to be active and for us to stop and receive. Is not Jesus doing exactly what God is? That, that's what the intent of the Sabbath is, is, that we would receive from him. God made him who knew no sin. God is the one who's actively, he's sending Jesus to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. So this is a time for us to breathe, let God be God, and to receive from him. And that's, um, <clears throat> and that's easier said than done. Uh, please don't spill. The, um, the fact is, is that there is real resistance to our rest. There is real resistance to our rest. Uh, if you were, let's just play a little uh, mind game of imagination. If you were your own worst enemy, how would you try to thwart your growth, your joy? What would be a strategy that you think would work on you? I know for me, it would be to worry all the time, trying to throw things in my path to worry. And in uh, and there was actually a study done in the 1970s by Princeton Theological Seminary trying to see how hurry affects our ethics. And what they did was that they invited in some seminary students, and they said, in a moment, we want you to give a talk on the Good Samaritan to this classroom over here um, that's across, across the, the campus. Uh, and they put these students into three groups. So the first group was... They're expecting you. You need to hurry over there right away. The second group was uh, the professor is expecting you. Uh, please make your way over there. The third was uh, you can go ahead and make your way over there, but there's no rush. Um, we're not going to start for a while. And they purposely put an actor in the middle of the campus that they knew that they would walk by, posing as a gardener who had like been laying on the ground with like a pot over and like moaning <laughs> to see... Who would actually stop? And I, I probably don't even need to tell you the results, but the ones who were in a hurry, most of them just went right by. Actually, the ones in the hurry and in the middle group, a lot of them stepped over the gardener on the way to give a talk on being like the Good Samaritan. <laughs> and I just think that's just so true of my life. That's just so true. I, can, I mean, I... I get so caught up in the busyness that I'm like, God, I need you to help me to slow down. We need help in this area. This is a hard word. And there are different challenges in this room where you're in a season of life. You might be running a business. You might be going to school at night. You might be this or that. And it's just like there is just so much grace. God just desires to give you peace and whatever that looks like. And so just as we close, I want to give a few practicals that hopefully will be helpful to you on this is something that that I've been trying to practice and so hopefully have some things that'll help you out um, and and the and the main theme of this because I don't want us to walk away falling into the same trap that the Pharisees did of legalism is that Jesus delights to be with you he delights to be with you when I was on sabbatical um, over the last uh, I guess in April I had a 
books. I had a plan. I had all this stuff. And in fact, one day I went on a silent retreat to a Catholic center in, um, in Grand Prairie. And it was just me and the nuns. There was no one else there. And there were some good things that happened there. It was also a little, you know, it was an interesting experience. I'll say that. And I got done with this silent retreat, and I called my wife. I broke the silent retreat. I was like, I'm so frustrated. I had all these things I wanted to accomplish, and God hasn't answered any of them. And so we processed through that, and I was like, oh, God, what, you know, what do you want to say? And as I was falling uh, asleep that night, just on my bed, I just felt like the Lord said, I just wanted to be with you. I just didn't want to work on your heart. I didn't want, you know, it was just like there was no big agenda. And I just was like, yeah, I... I I missed that, and I would like to try again. And I just feel like that's like the biggest thing. When, when this picture is uh, of my wife and I at our wedding day, and there are so many little things that built up to the wedding, so many logistics, so, many, so much work that went into it. But in that moment, it was just pure joy that I get to be with the woman I love and my best friend. And we did it. Like, here we are. Like, we get to be together for the rest of our lives. And it was just like this great moment. I just feel like that is such a picture of God's heart. He just wants to be with you and is inviting us in to begin learning rhythms of rest. And so here's some practicals that I just want to give to us as we leave on rhythms of rest. And I put in the acronym rest, so hopefully it'll help you to remember. The first one, R, is that you would remember. Remember who whose you are, and remember what God's done for you. Remember the gospel. Remember that we get to take a break, a rest from the work of trying to earn our way to love God, and instead, God came to us. God came near in the flesh in Christ, and that he's the one that loves us. So we pause and remember, and the way that I do this, my Sabbath day is on Friday. It's not on Sunday doesn't matter what day, I just encourage, like, encourage you pick a 24-hour period to start kind of having a habit. And we wake up in the morning whenever Ellis, our one-year-old, wakes up, which is usually early. And then as we get up, we take care of her and we begin to make, or we go out sometimes, uh, like this epic brunch. And we just, we have this big breakfast. And at the breakfast, we will try to stay away from talks about logistics or this or that or what's happening in the news and instead just say, hey, how are you doing today? What did God do this past week? Is there anything you're thankful for? Uh, how's your heart? And we would just, and sometimes it would just come out and we was like, let's just give thanks to God before we do anything else. And so that's a way that we practically try to remember what God's done and remember who we are. The next letter is E and that's for enjoy. On your Sabbath day, it's meant for you to be rejuvenated and rested. And so that means do things that make you come alive. For me, when I had my sabbatical, one of the things I made sure was in there was that I wanted to go to a Ranger game. I, I wanted to go watch sports because I love it. It makes me come alive, even when they're terrible. Like they, they're not very good right now. So that was not enjoyable. But as I was there, I was like, this is something that I need to do. I need to do things that make me come alive. Nature, going on walks. So we, a lot of times after breakfast, we'll go outside. Not right now. We went to the pool instead. But we just, we find out ways to get outside and just enjoy God's creation. Another thing that gives us joy and makes us come alive are donuts and bacon. 
and big breakfast. So that's, that's our thing. So Fridays are like, that's breakfast time at the Polino house. That is, oh, because that is something, we have good coffee. Instead of the wine overflowing, we'll have, you know, our Shabbat cup filled with coffee or something, like just overflowing. What, what, enjoy, what, what things do you enjoy? And just maybe that's something that you need to make a list of or something that you enjoy might not be something that gives uh, your, your spouse or your roommate rest. This is a great thing to talk about um, as you guys are trying to put this into practice. And then uh, the last two are probably the hardest for us to do, but at the, the next one is to stop, to try to stop from work, try to stop from being the, the, the one on the throne of your universe and you realize that God is pretty good at running the universe, that whenever you are asleep, he's at work, that whenever, um, yeah, just let God be God and less is more. That's something that I encourage you guys to do. And you might be surprised. Uh, there's different uh, stories and study to this, but in, in the, there was a, a story of a group of, uh, travelers, Christian families traveling the Oregon Trail, and they were left in autumn or so, and so winter was approaching, and there was half of them that said, we need to stop Sabbathing because we're going to get caught in the winter, and there was another half said, no, we need to keep it. Well, guess which group, so they ended up dividing groups and having two caravans. Guess which group ended up making it first? The group that kept the Sabbath. The horses were refreshed, and they actually ended up making it there first. So you might be surprised at some of the, the yielded benefits um, of having less is more. And the last thing, the, really, the core of Sabbath is being able to trust God. So to trust. This is something that I need help with all the time. God, help me to trust. You help me to wait on you. I want to receive your joy. And so those are four ways this encourage us as a church. Hey, I think we're doing great in so many areas. I'll just say for myself and for our movement that's so like, I feel like we're just like ready position. We're just like ready to go that we need to learn to grow in this as a church. So in the area of Sabbath and rest. And so I hope this is a a gift to you, some food for thought on God. How is your, and just how is your soul? How is your soul doing right now? Are you tired? Are you weary? And this is, what King Jesus, the creator of Sabbath, says to us in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, and this is what I want to close, close, with, close with, excuse me, is he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. And so that's, that's God's heart for us this morning. And so that's what I just want to invite you um, to, to respond to. So if you'll stand, I'll pray for us, and then Stephen will come and close it for us. So, yeah, God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for your peace and your compassion in this area. God, may we not be people that are in so much of a hurry, God, that we step over those that we're put in our path, God, to help. God, may it be a place where we get joy and delight, God, where we learn how to be your children that you fought to bring back, where we be people who would live in the, in the joy of Sabbath and receiving the gift of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.